welcome to the Midlife Masculine Podcast, where we talk about duties that we men need to fulfill. The masculine is driven by selfless duty, spirituality, and the overcoming of obstacles. It is raw, primal, selfless, principle-driven, solitary, and underappreciated. My name is Dhruv Sethi. Join me on the spiritual journey of acquiring knowledge so that we become independent, self-sovereign thinkers and doers for everyone. Find us on all major podcast platforms where we encourage you to like, share and subscribe or learn more at mlmpod.info. Hello everyone and welcome to Midlife Masculine. In today's episode, we want to provide midlife men, women, parents with some guidance and knowledge about alternative education framework with focus on the chakra system. And today I am joined by Maureen Buford, who is a board member at Creative Lives, which is an organization taking a different approach to education for children and teens. The approach is based on the human energy system or chakra system. And it's a framework that has its roots in a book called A Framework for Wise Education, written by Ellen Tad. Welcome, Maureen. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Great to have you. Like my mother, Maureen, both of you are veteran teachers. So she, she's a retired teacher now, but she has taught for 42 years. And I'm sure if she was in this episode, you'd have a very interesting conversation and talk about how education and children have changed as well over the past four decades. It would be an interesting conversation to talk with your mother. Was she a teacher in Britain? Uh, she was a teacher in Sweden, actually. In Sweden. So, yeah. So I was born in India and uh, then we migrated to Sweden at the eight when I was six years old. And that's really where I grew up. So that is uh, very much my home. And she was a teacher there and she was once my teacher as well. Yes. Well, mothers really are our teachers, aren't they? For sure. For sure. We're lucky that in my family, there's a legacy of both education advocates. My mom was also a teacher and my teacher and her mother before her too. So, and my other grandmother was also a teacher. So we have that history in our family as well. It's in your blood. Yeah, it is. It's true. Yeah, no, my mom has been a teacher. She's been my teacher inside and outside school and she is a fantastic teacher. I bet she is. So is mine. And I love her for that. I, it really propelled me into thinking about how children learn, how they develop. And it was part of my education in becoming who I am today, of course. And do you find that there are traits that go back the generations which you feel that you possess today as well? I do. Love of learning, openness to knowing new things, a sense of inspiration about being a human being. These are definitely a legacy passed down through the generations, which is wonderful. Yeah. Genetic imprints. Yes, for sure. So Maureen, please tell us about yourself and the work that you do and how you got involved in this. Yes, it's such a, a good question. And so I fell in love with watching children develop when I had a little sister, six and a half years younger than I was. And then I was probably in my early 30s when I went through a, a big challenge and got divorced from my first husband, who's still a dear friend, thankfully. But we were raising a daughter together. And so I wanted to figure out what I needed to understand better about myself. I wanted to help my daughter move through this challenging time. And I was also really looking for what was missing in my own approach to 
education from what I'd been taught, what was missing and how I'd learned and been taught all the way through Cornell University where I got my bachelor's in music. So I was looking for new understandings and found my way to the work of Ellen Tad in one of her classes. And so I met Ellen in probably 1998 and I went to her first class and I was riveted. I thought, wow, this is the real deal. I'm going to learn from Ellen the things that I most want to understand about human beings, about myself, about being a better parent, teacher, etc. What was it about Ellen's class that really caught your attention and pretty much changed your career, I suppose, from that point? Well, probably you and anyone listening has had the experience of meeting somebody and feeling they're very lined up, wise, well-spoken, thoughtful. And my first impression of Ellen was her wisdom and a way of looking at life that was about making meaning, being one's best self, understanding every experience has value. I was hooked. And she, in her writing too, you will feel that energy of wisdom, of of really looking for precision and attention to detail. So I was feeling that I was missing some key details about how to be a better version of me, how to help my daughter. And I found right away that she was giving me information that was new and really helpful to daily living. No, I certainly felt that as well when I read the book. And uh, she she has a lot of insight and it just got me thinking in a different way. And uh, so I, I can certainly relate to that. Yeah, exactly. It's rare to read a book and feel that every line resonates 100% yes. That's how I feel when I read her writing and when I study with her. It's She's scientific about her approach to to learning in a way. She wants to experience for herself first and then digest and then share. So that's a very valuable way to go about things, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. So perhaps why should parents, why should midlife men, women or parents think about this different approach in this day and age? Why is it important? It's such a good question. And so I'll, I'll introduce myself too, also by saying I'm on the board at Creative Lives, but I'm also the founding director. And so part of our mission is to speak to men in midlife, women in midlife, raising children, and wanting to think more holistically about their development. We live in such a transactional world, but we are more complex than that. And if we want to help unpack some of the negative cultural conditioning that's happening for our children, we really need to think about their whole well-being, their bodies, the health of their bodies, the development of their mind, their intellect, but also their inner well-being, you might say, or their way of knowing and perceiving that's beyond intellect or feeling. And in the United States, and probably in Britain as well, there's an emphasis on what we think and how we feel. A lot of emphasis here on how we feel, probably more so. And yet there are other ways of knowing. And so understanding the chakra system, which exists to help each of us express every aspect of who we are, becomes a very natural framework for approaching healthy child-rearing education, healthy development for all people, really, and for children, of course. Definitely. I myself want children one day, and I feel that the education system, the boards, or the systems itself, they're taking a direction which I'm not that comfortable with. And I'm a spiritual person as well. So I was quite excited to have this podcast with you for my future children 
I'd like them to know more about themselves, how their emotions, the intellect, how they can control their emotions, how they feel about certain situations and deal with difficult situations. So I was really looking forward to this episode. Yes. And, you know, when I was in college, I was a pianist. I was studying to be a pianist. And I gave one recital my sophomore year that went extremely well. I felt like I stepped out of my fear into a sort of alignment I was talking about. And I played this concert just completely engrossed. Mm. Then my parents got divorced and I was pretty shaky. And senior year, I lost my concentration to the same degree. And my recital was bumpy. And I was in reaction when I had a memory slip. And afterwards, I thought, what happened? What happened to me? Why was I so different in that other concert? What happened? And so in the study of the chakra system, there is a lot of buried treasure, aspects of ourselves that we might not know as well as, as we could. So as a musician, you could think of it as learning to tune up all the notes so that you can express the full music that's possible for you. That's nice. I like that. So before we dig into it, could you give us a brief overview of the chakra system? A lot of people have heard of it. They sort of know what it is, but perhaps you could talk a bit about them, how it looks, what they are, where they're located, and how they manifest when they're balanced. Yes, absolutely. And you can pause me and chime in. I'll ask some questions of you as we go down the system. But, and I'll also preface it by saying this is Ellen Tad's understanding, and I've had direct experience of it for myself, which is how she prefers to teach. So you can hear what I say, but then you can also experiment and, and see how it plays out for you. So the chakra system has been observed and discovered around the world by different men and women over history as an energy system that's in the energy body or the etheric body, but linked to the physical body. And the seven main chakras have a corresponding location that we can all relate to. The top of the head is the crown chakra. And let me just back up and say before we go down the chakras, the chakras exist as an interconnected system that's designed to help us experience our life circumstance, help us express who we are, and help us learn. So each of these seven centers is interconnected, and it starts at the top of the head in Ellen's system. So the reason for that is that babies come in with a big crown chakra and not much of a base chakra. Yeah. We take care of everything for them. So the crown is about inspiration, about feelings of devotion. When the crown is open, we have a feeling of inner happiness and a sense of being connected to something that's larger than ourselves. Yeah. That's at the top of the head. And you might recognize that feeling when you're on a beautiful day or when you're listening to music that you love. Doing things that inspire us open the crown chakra. The third eye is the kingpin of the system. And Ellen calls it that because when it's functioning well, it helps all the other centers to function as well. And it's right in the middle of the forehead. And when it's open, we can perceive the consequences of our actions and our thoughts it helps us make wise choices. It's about discernment. And focus and concentration open that third eye chakra. Sustaining that focus is sort of like exercising a muscle. So children can focus for a minute and they can lose their focus, but we want to help them develop focus as they progress. Yeah. The throat chakra is where you would think, right in the throat. And it's the center of expressing who we are from the inside out. 
confidence in who we are, confidence in our learning process, curiosity. And when this center is functioning well, we feel good about who we are. And a common challenge with this one is that we're sort of educated in the culture to think of ourselves as good because of what we do or what we have or where we live or how we look. But we want children to feel good just because of who they are, because they're innately valuable. Where it is in the chest, right where you would imagine in the center of the chest. And this center is where we feel good intentions for ourselves and for other people. And we feel love and courage and forgiveness flowing from this center. And also a feeling of joy, just the joy of being alive. Yeah, I've heard that. And also there's a sense of fearlessness when the heart chakra is open. Yes, or or courage, even when one feels fear, courage to move forward. The third eye really dissipates fear because when we're seeing clearly, we feel we feel unafraid. Like when this famous story in America, when this plane was landed in the Hudson by by the captain of the plane, and you know you can imagine him having to make very quick decisions about how to bring that plane down safely when birds struck the engines and cut out both engines. So. I think that in those moments when we're really concentrating, it's very hard to feel fear. And if the third eye and heart chakra are working together, then we can express love in the appropriate way, right? Even if we might be a little scared to do it, that clarity and courage can work together. So yes, courage is in the heart chakra. Just on a side note, though, it is somewhat concerning. I'm not sure about the water, the tap water in the US, but in, in Britain, there's a lot of fluoride in our water, which calcifies the third eye, and then the intuitive abilities of the third eye gets diminished. Is it similar in the US as well? Well, we do have fluoride in the water, and I haven't thought about the impact on the third eye, but I have thought about the impact that anything that diminishes our health has on our focus. So, you know, when you're not feeling well, when you're tired, when you're not eating well, all of these things can diminish our capacity to see clearly and make wise decisions with the third eye and have that third eye clarity integrate with our intellect and our feelings so that we can be more lined up. So yes, many things can diminish the third eye. And of course, hurts can hurt the heart. We can feel surprised by the actions of others and hurt by what they do to hurt us or the planet. Children can have hurt feelings quickly, but their hearts can reopen quickly as well. The next chakra down is the solar plexus, and it's above the belly button, below the rib cage. And Ellen describes this as the center of harmony and feeling. Mm. And again, this one, when it's working well with the other chakras, it adds so much color to our lives because we feel emotion and intuition that enhances and works with our third eye clarity. But when it's not, when it gets separated out or it's not functioning as well, it can become dominant, which means that we're very feelingful and we're easily absorbing the feelings of others. Or it can become diminished where a person's not so comfortable feeling what they feel and they shut their feelings down and lose empathy. So this center, she calls the bugaboo chakra because many of our fears live here in the solar plexus. And we need to examine those fears and move through them. So then moving down, the next center is in the lower abdomen, kind of where the ovaries are in a woman in a comparable point for other people. And it, it is the center of balance, the balance of our directive side and our receptive side, which we all have. We all have both. 
And in many cultures, men have been entrained to be more on the directive and women more on the receptive side. But actually, in balance, we want to be able to speak and listen, lead and follow, act and wait, give and receive. So this internal balance within and then an, an expression of one's own creativity and relationships, this is the center of how we feel about ourselves out in the world. So when we feel good about who we are with others and expressing our particular gifts and qualities, the center is more balanced. And the third eye is, again, a kingpin for helping us navigate. Is it my time to speak or is it your time to speak, Drew, right? You know, to have a balance of conversation. This one's out of whack in the world. And I think we've overvalued the dominant side of the human self versus the receptive side. So do you, does that mean that they're more closed or that those chakras are more closed? Is that what you mean? It's a good question. It, when, when a chakra is dominant, it's actually more open or it's bigger than is helpful and it's out of alignment with the rest of the center. So if the dominant side, the right side is the directive side of this chakra and the left side is the receptive. And if we emphasize the directive side, it comes to the fore, kind of like a teeter-totter that's out of balance, you know? When we emphasize the receptive side, the other side diminishes and this side comes to the fore. Again, it's flipped the other way. But when we move towards the middle, you could imagine being in the middle of that teeter-totter like you might have done when you're a kid and you're balancing right there and you're really feeling both at the same time. Yeah. That's balance. Okay. And yes, I think confusion in our world about what it means to be a human being and wanting to acquire things, have control over things, has led to an emphasis on the directive side. Yeah, that is interesting. And also, perhaps this is not linked, maybe it is, but the fast food chains, the larger ones, emphasize on those colors which represent the lower chakras generally. Mm. So yellow, red, orange, like McDonald's, Burger King. I'm not sure if that's uh, linked in any way. It's interesting because they kind of get you to want to act from impulse, don't they? Yeah. And generally speaking, those foods are not being grown with attention to the health of the food and the health of the body that it's going into, Yeah. generally speaking. And that definitely can diminish the function of the chakra system. Vitality and health absolutely enhance how we feel and how we do. And so this identity chakra in the lower abdomen, it's very complex because we are complex people. We change from moment to moment, sometimes in the middle of a sentence. And you can imagine how that gets more complex as, as a group grows. So a teacher has a lot, your mom had a lot of different individuals to be helping along the way. But there are things we can do in a classroom setting or in raising our children that help that balance come to the fore. And that's thrilling. And in such settings, when you have a classroom full of children who have different balances, how is it best to deal with them as a group or one-on-one -on -one to balance the chakras, respective chakras? I mean, it's lovely to have time one-on-one -on -one when you have a group of students. We want to always steal those moments with kids when we're teaching. But many teachers have large groups that, and many groups, a high school teacher is seeing many groups of students. They probably have a hundred or more they may see within a week. So what can we do in a group setting that helps all individuals towards that balance point? And with little children, there are just basic warm-up games that I can play before I teach to help them 
feel their receptive and their directive side. In a high school class, I can help students be aware of whether they're more comfortable speaking or whether they prefer to listen. And I can help the class become aware that both are important and that if you tend to be the first one to speak or you have this tendency to blurt out, your job is going to be to learn to listen more deeply and pause. And if it's harder for you to speak up, then we're going to create opportunities for you to get your voice into the room and practice taking the lead. So it's very basic. But yes, many, many things that can be done to enhance that balance in a classroom setting. Apologies, I digressed a little bit. but No, it's good. So we had the last chakra. or Yeah. This is the first chakra. Yeah, the last chakra is also a complicated one because it deals with every aspect of ourselves and developing disciplines over our lives that help foster our many needed skills. And again, with a baby, there isn't much base chakra. The base chakra is the center of discipline and it's the center of order because all of life, life wouldn't exist without order. So order, structure, attention to detail, taking responsibility, managing one's time and resources well, and skills that help cognitive development, character development, physical development, all of those things strengthen the base chakra. And when it's working well, as a child is growing, it provides this tremendous stability and resilience. You know, your life can hit you a curveball, but because of your good habits and disciplines, you bounce back. And it's hard work. So when children are developing a, a strong base chakra, you want to see them able to work hard, but you also want to see that hard work integrated with wisdom, not hard work just for the sake of drudgery, and but hard work with focus and a sense of inspiration about it or a feeling of devotion to a task well done. You know, sometimes we're doing tasks that we enjoy more when they're done. (laughs) And kids don't always love those tasks, but we can help them by adding a sprinkle of fun to the task and also helping them persevere so that they can feel the reward of hard work. Makes sense. So just to clarify, normally we say the first chakra is the base chakra, but in this framework, uh, Ellen Tad's framework, we say that the crown chakra is the first chakra because when children are born, that's the chakra that's most expanded, larger. Yes, that's true. She doesn't really number them. But you know, when I first learned the chakras, like you, I learned the base chakra. I learned from the bottom up. And I've had students in my courses who say, well, I always start my, I do a chakra meditation, but I always start from the base and then be very surprised to find how beneficial it is to start from the top of the head. Because when we're inspired, everything is easier. Definitely. And that state of inspiration expands our our energy field. Yeah. And that is so helpful. So children come into the world that way with this openness, a feeling of trust, a feeling of connection. And we want them to continue to feel that as they grow. So we start at the top of the head and progress down in our training. Mm. It doesn't mean that these chakras are all very important to each other. They work as a system, but that's the way Ellen teaches it. Yes. No, that's helpful. Thank you for that, Maureen. So the TAD technique, could you um, explain that? I can. This is a really helpful technique that I, I started to use in the very first years of teaching children because it helps you compare what it's like to be focused in the solar plexus and making decisions from there versus what it's like to be focused in the middle of the forehead in the third eye and make decisions from there. So simple exercise 
mm. is to think of something that might be stressful, like being late for a podcast interview or being late for an important event and feel it in the solar plexus and then see how you handle it from there. And then it's almost like bringing your focus up like an elevator and putting it right into the middle of your forehead, holding your focus there and looking at the same circumstance from that vantage point. And it can be quite a dramatic difference. So children should perhaps close their eyes and focus the energy on the solar plexus chakra and then move that energy up to the third eye. Yes. The first time I taught this to a group of children in the third grade, they were so quick at at comparing the difference. I had them imagine being late to school and they quickly felt the difference. Oh, I was really agitated about it when I was in my solar plexus, but in my third eye, I, I thought, well, you know, it happens. And my mom didn't mean to, you know, this or whatever. They were so good at it. We put a more difficult challenge and I had them look at a problem that they were worried about for the planet or for other people. And I had them all go into their solar plexus at the same time. And you could literally feel the energy in the room get heavy mm. as they viewed their particular fear about the world or for the world from the solar plexus. Then they took the elevator up together and flipped their hands when they were ready to open their eyes and talk. And simultaneously, all the hands flipped. And then their eyes opened wide. And I asked, would anyone like to share? And every hand shot up. But a really poignant example was one third grade boy who said, down in my solar plexus, it was like a burning cauldron of rage. These are his words, not mine. I was so angry at what people are doing to each other and to this planet. I was just so angry. It was just burning and churning. <laughs> but then, he said, I took the elevator up and I got, we call it the wise view with kids. I got in my wise view and it was like I stepped onto an island of clarity. And I looked around and I saw that all I have to do is play my part and that will be enough. Wow. Very wise. Yeah. Very. Uh, you know, children are like sages when they get in the third eye. We all are really. We all have that capacity for wisdom. We just yeah. need to know how to activate it and then sustain it. Yeah. I was on your website and there was uh, this young boy. I don't know if he was a young teen or he hadn't reached a teen. And he was talking about this in, in that video about how he moved the energy from his solar plexus to his uh, third eye. And just listening to a young boy speaking about chakras, like an adult, that was uh, surreal in itself. Yes. Yeah. And I think that it gives me so much hope because we really, this is what is fulfilling for us, actually, is to access our wisdom, to let our innate, beautiful qualities come forward into the world, to solve problems with our wisdom and our intellect and our feelings integrated, but not to be in reaction or or lacking empathy in the solar plexus or spinning our heads with the intellect, the computer trying to analyze how to move our next step forward. So when the third eye is engaged, then the intellect is our friend. It's helping analyze. It's doing its part, but it's not having to lead. And it's like stepping into the driver's seat. The engine, the analytical mind is still there and working. Fuel and sort of emotion for the trip is there, but it's it's a kingpin and it can help inform all the decisions that we make, of course. Yeah. And they say we already have all the answers within ourselves. We're connected to the universe, the all-knowing creator through our subconscious. And it's really the, the third eye chakra and the crown chakra that are 
the connection to the all-knowing creator and universe. It's beautiful that in so many faiths, there is a, a sense of that inspiration can, through music, through worship, that opens the crown, and then the imagery of the discerning guide, right? The discerning wise one that helps us make decisions that are in alignment. But even when someone is not a person of faith, or perhaps nature is their cathedral, the third eye will have us acting from the wisest, deepest part of who we are. And it's very, very fulfilling. And of course, it helps the heart stay open. Each, It's not that the other chakras are not important, but integration is really supported by the third eye. But the third eye can't do. So we need the base chakra to give legs to what we see, right? We have to put into action the wise view that we can attain in the third eye. So tell us about some of the results you've seen in uh, parents, teachers, children, teens applying this approach. I'll let you speak about that. The results have been gobsmacking sometimes. You know, I just, when I first began, I think one of the most dramatic things that happened was I had a student with ADHD who had been on medication since kindergarten. And then she went off her medication because they weren't working very well. And techniques from this framework helped her find inspiration, find her focus, develop discipline without her meds and turned her thinking around as well because she'd become convinced she couldn't focus without her meds. But actually, her focus muscle was very diminished. And so in order to strengthen that, she needed to do things that she loved, that got her focused, and then learn how to stretch that focus into things that were harder for her, like math. And that was so empowering for her. So what I find is that no matter what we've studied and where we've learned, there are many, many different approaches to education and parenting. And this system can integrate to help us add things we might not have understood fully, to give us new tools for developing and fostering self-esteem. So it's a complete holistic approach. And yes, the results have been dramatic for working with groups, for working with individuals, children of all ages from the very early years through high school. And then for teachers, I found that 94% of the educators in our training will say they had a significant improvement in their own well-being. Wow. Parents can get worried for children. They can be stressed by life and stressed by things that are happening with the teenagers they're raising or teaching. Or So how can we help teachers navigate also the demands of their jobs, how can we help men find that inner balance that helps them be both the nurturing and the guiding father? All of these things are important. I suppose it's important for teachers to have their chakras pretty much balanced before they teach it out. Well, that would be great if I could do that. <laughs> I mean, that if I were enlightened and my chakras were always lined up, but here's the thing, I can make adjustments while I'm teaching. And I certainly was no master of my chakra system when I began applying this approach, and I'm still working on it. I am definitely a work in progress. So, and when teaching, being aware of my state has helped me more quickly correct when I lose my balance. It's helped me be honest with children and my adult students to say, you know what, let me run that by you again, or I wish I had, I need to make a course correction. So I'm, in a way, our challenges are good for students to see. They want to see how we approach what challenges us, how we learn and grow through it as well. So I've made 
mistake significant ones in front of my students and had to regroup and explain. I got thrown. Let me get back in clarity. Just give me a moment. <laughs> One time I did this because the kids had gotten out of control in my class and they were definitely on the wild side that day. They came in on, it was a rain day and they hadn't had recess. And I let them in my classroom before I got them focused. Big mistake. So they took over. And after several attempts to quiet them down, I ended up just having to sit down and say, I'm just stopping because I've lost my balance and I, I need to regroup. And they all got quiet. Oh, no, we went too far. Oh, no, poor Miss B. So they immediately asked me how they could be helpful. And I said, I just need another minute to get my wise view back. Okay, I think we're going to leave class and go do something quieting and focusing. And they helped that to happen. And then they all did some art for a while and one at a time came over and said, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm wow. really sorry we didn't have our dance class. So, yes, I am definitely working on this. I think you mentioned something key here. Nothing is permanent. And if ever something is out of balance with this framework, you can quickly identify what is out of balance and bring that into alignment. Some things are easier to quickly identify, and some things are harder for all of us to quickly identify. And it takes us more time in our lives to know, oh, boy, I didn't realize that I, in these situations, my self-esteem really gets wobbly and I can be dominant. I can want to prove I'm great or feel really badly if I make a mistake. Mm. And so some things are easier to change quickly and some things harder. But yes, the awareness of the pattern is pivotal. It's a game changer. And what about parents? Is it important for them to be in balance or at least have some knowledge before they send their kids out to learn differently? Or You yes? know, I think it's one of the most helpful things any parent can understand. It's not as simple. I mean, Ellen uses the analogy in her book, A Framework for Wise Education, of a garden. You know, we need to tend the soil. We want to put all these circumstances together to cultivate the garden. So attending to the chakra system in a similar way is like attending to all the aspects of who we are. But there's still hard work involved. We still have to dig. We have to mitigate bad weather. It's not an instant result. But yes, I think there's. it's so incredibly valuable to understand this system because it really describes the whole child. And it will help us understand why our son is so confident in groups and why our other son is really held back. It also helps us become detectives. And this is really important for fathers, for anyone parenting. We want to know what inspires this child? What are they naturally drawn to? Where do they easily focus? These are clues about why they're here. And then we want to know where are their weaknesses that I can help them strengthen as they develop. Mm. In America, we have a tendency to avoid our weaknesses. And avoidance is not a very healthy approach. They end up festering and getting worse. And if we can look more honestly at where we are not strong and really attend to that, boy, is that growthful. For sure. And does the approach change between young boys and young girls? No, in the sense that boys and girls both have an identity chakra, and a receptive and a directive side. And so for both boys and girls, you want to be developing both sides. Now, you can have a very sensitive, energetically quieter boy and a very animated, I mean, you know, the, across the genders, 
there's no limit to the amazing differences and creative differences between children, but all children, boys and girls, benefit from strengthening the system and helps them access that that beautiful inner balance. Okay. Well, thanks for that. And this might, might not be your area of expertise, but in terms of the right and left brain hemispheres, how is that interoperable with the chakra system? And just a reminder for the listeners, right hemisphere of the brain relates to the creative side, whereas the left relates to the logic and reasoning side. And obviously mm. kids, some kids are stronger in one or the other, but we want a balance on the kids. But how would you say it's interoperable, the chakra system? It's such a great question. I studied a little bit of neuroscience in my master's degree in education, and I was fascinated about these different hemispheres of the brain and how they function. In my experience with the chakra system is that it's working in harmony with the brain. When it's functioning well, it's going to enhance, I think, balance across our whole self, including the balance of in the brain. So when the third eye is active and we're seeing from wisdom, we want those details and context and analytical part of our mind to be working, and we want to have access to our creative self. We want our crown chakra open. All of the chakras are working as part of our whole self, including the brain. So I think it can only enhance. And, you know, a child might have a predisposition to have trouble focusing, right? Like this little girl who had been on meds. I don't know enough about the brain science of ADHD, for instance, to say why, but I do know that working on the discipline of really strengthening her her wise her third eye chakra was dramatically helpful to her challenges with focus. Okay. I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist myself, but my understanding is that, well, my general feeling is that it most certainly is interoperable with the, the chakra system. I mean, it's so yeah. ancient, the chakra system emanating from India, which is a very ancient civilization. And if something has survived so many millennia, I'm sure there's a good reason for that. Yeah, I mean, I the chakra system in India is most closely lined up with Ellen's seven, the way she places the seven chakras, but for the exception of the third eye being more in the middle of the forehead than between the brows. But everyone has a chakra system, whether they know it or not. We all have one and we always have. So it's certainly been part of our human evolution over the millennia. As you say, it's an ancient system that's part of who we are. Yeah. So a parent may be listening to this and is very interested. One parent is, the other is not. <laughs> right. How should that parent instigate that conversation at home to at least... Cons- That's such a... You know, here's what I think. When we are not in accord with our spouse, we have to listen deeply to say, what is ours to do? The third eye is a really great way to answer that question. So I would want to get focused and we can focus the third eye by staring at a tiny point. And then I would want to ask myself, given the situation that I'm in, what must I do? What's mine to do? I would imagine that in most cases, it would be to go ahead and study and learn and then demonstrate the value of the approach through your own balance and alignment and through skills you're learning so that you can share a direct experience with your spouse of why this has been meaningful and beneficial. And your spouse can then see how that's playing out in the relationship that you have with your children. So yes, acting courageously from our own knowing is helpful in any marriage. Yeah, for sure. And um, as I mentioned earlier, my mom has been a school teacher for over 40 years, 42 years, I think, retired now. And she observed that in these four decades, children were 
generally becoming less disciplined, had less patience, were more engrossed in the telephones and technology, and just somewhat out of touch with these ancient systems. What is the way forward, do you think, with such children and parents who are dealing with such children? It's really important, I think, in our time to acknowledge the level of information that's coming at children. Unprecedented. I don't know what it it feels like to be a small child in this day and age. Therefore, urgently important, I feel, that we understand the mechanics of the chakra system, its function in healthy development, because with discernment, we can help children practice knowing and making wise decisions and navigating what could become distractions or benefits, right? Technology can be beneficial, but when we're looking at technology, we want to see it being developed with wisdom. And unfortunately, many of the social media applications were developed to be addictive to children. So helping children, I've worked with children, I've seen what your mother has seen. And many educators that I work with are feeling the same. Wow, this is impacting our kids. Well, the other thing that's impacting them is the system of schooling in America itself, which is really trying to prepare children for jobs in a world where the the jobs are so fast changing. So there are many factors in what's going on for our kids, including health, diminished health, which can impact their focus and concentration. But helping them develop the chakra system, I've seen it. And I've seen children make choices that are wise amongst all of this noise. And that's so hopeful. I mean, is technology the number one culprit or are there other culprits in this? I don't know if I could weight them, but other challenges for children are degraded food, toxins, I see children in affluent communities and children where there's less economic abundance similarly impacted by health concerns, by things that are disrupting their focus and concentration, by too much on-screen time, by violence in the culture, by cultural dissonance, by so many, so many factors. And we each have different parts to play in addressing those. And we also want to prepare our children to be able to grow up into a world that has challenges without feeling overwhelmed and able to contribute. I think each one of them comes with a purpose. And when they find that purpose and express it, it's going to be helpful to life. Definitely. I agree with that. And just on a side note, actually, I mean, it, it's almost like corporations or society want children to be addicted to these technology so that they don't become free thinkers. They become workers rather than thinkers or innovators. You know, greed is a big factor in our world. Yeah. And if we were really wise, wouldn't we prioritize the health and well-being and learning of our children and the health of the planet? These are shared concerns around our globe. For all of our unique cultures and differences around the world, this sense of being longing to something that's bigger than we are is a basic and really important human experience. And neuroscientists at Columbia have discovered that there's a part of the brain that really develops and thickens as we have inspirational experiences. And that that's the most effective way to mitigate anxiety, stress, depression. The chakras, they help us know the path towards fulfillment, towards optimal potential in sharing our gifts. And I think in a systemic way, they can help us look at 
at the many things that are going on our, in our world that we would want to transform. Yeah. So talk about your programs. How do you teach them? Where is it available? So our programs are online now, which means that wherever you are, you can we can find a way to get to you and bring you to us. And that's wonderful. And I find that like with anything, you can imagine studying a musical instrument. You want some coaching, understanding of how it works. You want to feel it for yourself. And then you want to be able to play your music and and then over time, help others make their music as a parent or a teacher. So we have two nine-week training courses that complement each other. The first one, you go through your own chakra system, analyzing your strengths and weaknesses, and begin thinking about what healthy development looks like for the children you serve. And that takes some practice. It's cumulative, and students in that course have made tremendous gains for themselves, but also where they work and play with children. Then the second course is more about applying this with groups and individuals in kids, more practice, more looking at scenarios and imagining how we would problem solve them, what's going on in terms of the patterns and the framework. And to just say that Ellen's framework is what we study, and the framework is taking her understanding of the chakra system and putting it into a systemic way, a framework for looking at healthy development and education. And so there are seven categories in the framework. Each one of them relates to the function of a particular chakra. And we have strategies and tools, awarenesses that can be practiced to help strengthen and foster the health of the chakra system for kids. And of course, that's a collaborative effort. A math teacher is not going to be teaching about health and nutrition necessarily. But when we're looking at the well-being of the child, we want to make sure that all of those things are happening for them. Okay. And it's not a requirement for parents to know which chakra their kid needs to work on. I mean, you, you guys help with that. Yeah, we help with that. And you get, you know, boy, does it come quickly because actually for children, children are so young and open there. They can make tremendous gains in the health of their chakra system rather quickly. And this is so satisfying. For us, sometimes our patterns are a little more cemented and we need help in coaching to kind of understand them. So yes, you don't have to come in knowing anything about your chakras at all. But I will say that most of us know more than we realize because we know what it feels like when we have a swell of love in the chest. We know what it feels like when we feel confident to speak up or we're inspired. And we recognize when a child is deeply focused and inspired and feeling comfortable and good about who they are or when they're in reaction. So we can take that intuitive knowledge and deepen it through this understanding and study. And yes, it's available in two courses. And then we also have ongoing support for our students through monthly meetings and, and a track to become a trainer if someone's interested in becoming more expert and, and training other adults. That's interesting. I think parents can definitely benefit, parents and children together can definitely benefit from this. I've seen parents have breakthroughs with their children and also with their own well-being in terms of understanding things about themselves they couldn't quite figure out, but the chakras, understanding the chakras helped them know what was blocking them, what was scaring them. And one parent wrote me recently and said, you know, in your course, I realized I needed to strengthen my base with my third eye and I determined that I would be able to do this and that I would use that base chakra to help me get ready to buy my own house where I could raise my son. This is a single mom. Wow. And two years later, she wrote me, Maureen, I signed the um, mortgage today. I bought a home and it's because 
I gained the confidence and the clarity, but also the details to know how to do that. And of course, I didn't tell her how to go out and look for a mortgage, but I did help her realize she needed to strengthen her attention to detail and order and that she could hold that vision for a home and follow through. So that's um, very practical, right? This is practical. You can use it out and about. You can use it and you can learn to do some contemplative practice. But yeah, very practical. Well, definitely. Like uh, we said earlier, we already have the answers. It's just about receiving and perceiving how we do that. Yeah. And, you know, when I think, do I already have the answers? I don't have the answers to everything, but I do have. My third eye helps me ask the right questions. I have the answers about who I am inside myself, but then maybe I need to go learn something new in order to do X or Y or P or Q that's on my path ahead of me. So yes, the answers can be go study the chakra system or go to graduate school in engineering, right? And learn the other things you need to learn. But that sense of inner knowing, we have that. For sure. We can cultivate that. We can cultivate a feeling of connection. We can cultivate a knowing that we are valuable and good. For sure. Well, Maureen, this has been very insightful and really enjoyed this episode. Where can people read more about you, about Ellen Tad, Creative Lives, and find Sure. So our website is creativelives.org. And there are also links where you can find Ellen's work. Her books are online. You can buy them on Amazon. The Wisdom of the Chakras was her first book on the topic. Her newest book is also available now, A Framework for Wise Education. And I really encourage training because it helps us really learn how to work with the system in a deeper way. But the books are wonderful. And so visiting our website and reaching out to me and looking for Ellen's books online. And we'll link that in the uh, show notes below. Yes. And by the way, if we are airing in June, we do have a training coming up in June. And it would be very interesting to find a section that would accommodate people who are six hours ahead of our time schedule. We're on the East Coast. So Yes, we have summer trainings in the framework and always the possibility of creating one that would work for people in Britain. For sure. Like that. Well, thank you very much, Maureen, for your time. Thank you, Drew. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Midlife Maskin Podcast. Find us on all major podcast platforms where we encourage you to like, share and subscribe or learn more at mlmpod.info. Thanks. And see you next time on the Midlife Maskin Podcast. Podcast.